Hey, it's Monday. <laughs> We're a couple of weeks away from the election. Uh, how you feeling, Stu? Great, Glenn. How about yourself? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so happy and not nervous about this election or the polling numbers or anything. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah, uh, because there's more news on Hunter Biden. Actually, this isn't new news on Hunter Biden. This is proof that Joe Biden is the most corrupt vice president in the history of America. And we have some new evidence. And who's censoring it? Everybody. Everybody is censoring it. It's a it's a a hard slog to the finish line. And the president has to do everything right in the next two weeks to be able to make it. We show you the numbers and we look at the Electoral College and it's going to be it's going to be a miracle if he wins. Fortunately for me, I believe in miracles. Today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Senator Ted Cruz. Um, uh, Ted, welcome to the program. Glenn, always great to be with you. <sighs> okay. Uh, you know, we booked you yesterday to talk about the subpoena that was going out, and you were going to question Jack Dorsey and others on Friday. Yep. However, uh, the GOP has started to waver on the issue. Why is the subpoena not going out for election interference and uh and and muting people who are 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 delivering news about developments on joe biden well i believe one way or another it's going to go out and twitter and facebook are both going to testify jack dorsey and mark zuckerberg are both going to testify they're going to testify in person they're going to testify before election day that's what i think should happen that's what i am fighting vociferously to make happen. Uh, Right now, the companies are negotiating with the chairman's office to discuss terms to come voluntarily. I don't really give a damn whether they come voluntarily or under subpoena. They need to testify in person and answer questions for the American people about why they are trying uh, to steal this election, to suppress the free speech, and to censor uh, to, to, to censor the press. Why, Ted, is it important for somebody to say, I came voluntarily not under subpoena? I have no idea because their lawyers are arguing for it. Right. Okay. It, 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 makes it makes no, no difference. difference. So I, I right. don't care if, if it's pursuant to a subpoena or they just they agree to come. But right. They're apparently trying to negotiate the terms, um, what I am pressing for. And listen, I hope Republicans stand firm. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of the Republicans on the committee uh, not going wobbly, as uh, Margaret Thatcher famously said some decades ago. And, and I hope that, that, that we do stand firm, and that's, I, I'm doing every, everything humanly possible to, to urge my colleagues to do exactly that. Uh, I don't know what their problem is, but I think the American people on the right are really, really tired of the saying one thing and doing another on this. I appreciate you standing firmly uh, for the First Amendment. Uh, You said yesterday that Jack uh, Jack Dorsey is behaving as like Joe Biden's press secretary. Yeah. Well, here's how here's how the whole thing came to pass. So it was last week, as you know, the New York Post had two consecutive blockbuster stories 
the first story based on on emails that allegedly came from Hunter Biden's computer uh, show that that Joe Biden is not telling the truth and has been they allege meetings between Joe Biden and Ukrainian oligarchs that that Biden has repeatedly denied. The second blockbuster story uh, was based on additional emails that showed communist China offering Joe Biden directly millions of dollars. And and it's important to underscore, look, look, this is not about Hunter Biden. By all appearances, Hunter Biden has has led a troubled life, Mm -hmm. has, has made some unfortunate decisions. This is about Joe Biden, the man who would be president, who would be the commander in chief, and whether he directly is involved in corruption with foreign countries. In any ordinary universe, this is a major, major story. But then big tech stepped in, and they did something they've never done before. We know that big tech has been censoring individual conservatives trying to suppress conservative speech. Mm-hmm. But the step they took here is they blocked – if any individual user tried to share either of the New York Post stories, you were blocked. You got a warning sign that said, no, you can't block this because this story is, quote, potentially harmful. Well, perhaps politically to Biden, but but sharing a, a news story from a major media outlet um, is, is as part of democracy, part of free speech. And not only that, they blocked the New York Post itself. Right now today, the New York Post is not being allowed to, to – post its own damn stories on corruption. And, th- and this is ridiculous. It, it, it's a threshold that's never been crossed before of Silicon Valley oligarchs declaring the authority to determine what the press is allowed to report and who's allowed to see it. Well, the, the mainstream media is right in there with them. They're calling anything really anything now, a conspiracy theory. They're calling all of these documents, and we don't have them only just now from the computer, but uh, one of one of um, uh, Hunter Biden's partner has released 28,000 e- uh, emails to Peter Schweitzer, and we already now know that many of those documents on the computer are documents that he, as a partner, had uh with uh with hunter biden showing the relationships here but they're calling it a conspiracy theory if you bring up if you bring up election interference it's a a conspiracy theory you talk about that there there is you know possible voter fraud it's conspiracy theories ted they are they are marking half of the population as crazy well, and, and, and they are gaslighting us. They are deliberately suppressing. The New York Post has the fourth highest circulation of any newspaper in America. It's over 200 years old. The New York Post was founded by Alexander Hamilton. And, and Jack Dorsey is saying he can decide. By the way, if they can censor the New York Post, they can also censor the New York Times. A Politico reporter tweeted about the New York Post story. They blocked the Politico reporters until the reporter got on his knees and groveled and apologized to the big tech masters for daring to address a topic that his overlords won't, don't want, wish him to address. And, and by the way, the, the Democratic talking point, so, so uh, the Dem senators by and large are just ignoring this like the media is. Mm-hmm. To the extent they've said anything, their argument is, well, this is all Russian disinformation. <laughs> well, okay, okay, if that's your argument, fine, prove it. 
Show some evidence. If, if these emails are false, you know what? I'd like to know that. If they're false, let's see some evidence of that. Mm-hmm. That's actually called journalism. And by, but you know who hasn't argued that? Joe Biden. Joe Biden has not denied this is Hunter Biden's computer. He has not denied the emails are real. He has not denied that he met personally with the Ukrainian oligarch after lying to the American people uh, and saying that he didn't. He has not denied that communist China offered him personally millions of dollars. And the entire press is refusing to do their jobs. I mean, Joe Biden did an ABC town hall that, 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 that was practically a kumbaya love-in where they were in robes and had daisies in their ears. I mean, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And Stephanopoulos, okay, one of the supposedly undecided voters <laughs> was a former White House speechwriter for Barack Obama. You got a problem with that? He was I, seriously know, considering Donald Trump. Come on. <laughs> Jeez. It's it's nuts, and and Glenn, you've you've worked at these media organizations. How do they do this? How does the media? Oh, this is beyond. CNN, this is beyond anything that I have ever witnessed. I mean, uh, Ted, uh, I don't know if you saw the Robert Reich um, uh, yep. suggestion about truth and reconciliation. Google that. This is not an idea off the top of his head. This is being attempted in Canada, in Great Britain, and here. And it has big backing from the left. They're serious. They feel that America lost its mind and they will ensure this never happens again. And if that means packing the court, adding states, uh, and getting rid of the filibuster, they'll do it. They'll do it. They plan to do all of that. And they plan to go after our fundamental rights. You know, one of the the chapters in in my new book, One Vote Away, uh, addresses free speech. And it goes through uh, both the Supreme Court cases, in particular Citizens United, where our right to, to express political speech hangs by one vote. But it also discusses the attempt by Senate Democrats to amend the Constitution and to pass a constitutional amendment eliminating our free speech rights. And, and I led the battle against that in the Senate. I'm the chairman of the Constitution Subcommittee and debated repeatedly Democrats. And every single Democrat, 100% of Senate Democrats, voted to amend the Constitution to remove our free speech rights and to give government the power to regulate political speech on the when Senate did this floor. Happen? When did this happen? It, th- th- this, this happened in 2014. I and don't the, even remember that. The That's... media refused to cover it. And, and, and the way it happened, so, so they frame it as this is, quote, repealing Citizens United, which the Democrats have all decided is terrible. Now, Citizens United, the Supreme Court, held that we have a right to free speech and to c- criticize politicians. As you know, Glenn, the facts of what happened in Citizens United is, is a small nonprofit in, in D.C. called Citizens United made a movie critical of Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And the Obama administration took the position that they could punish, they could fine the movie maker for daring to make a movie critic, critical of Hillary Clinton. Case went to the U.S. Supreme Court. I'll tell you the most chilling moment at the argument was Justice Sam Alito asked the, the Obama Justice Department, under your theory of the case, is it your view that the federal government could ban books? The Obama Justice Department answers, yes. Yes, the government can ban books. If they criticize politicians, we can ban them. Thankfully, 
the court rejected that radical view by a vote of five to four. Jeez. We are one vote away from from the government, from, from five justices saying the government has the power to ban movies and ban books. All right. Are we going to get a vote before the election for Amy Coney Barrett? Yes, she will be confirmed. Judiciary Committee will vote on Thursday. She'll be voted out uh, on Thursday, and then she will likely be confirmed on the Senate floor, I would say Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday of next week. But early next week is when she'll be confirmed. And you don't see anybody getting weak knees? I don't. I, I actually, I, I think she did a fabulous job. Really she was calm, yeah. cool, collected. You could see the first day the Democrats try to throw a couple of shots at her, and, and she was so good at dealing with them. And it was going so badly for the Democrats that by day two, they ran away. I mean, by the time my question came, I pointed out there were only two Democrats left in the hearing room. All the rest of them had run for the hills because they realized us, us going after this judge and the American people hearing her defend the Constitution and Bill of Rights is really, really bad for us. Let's get this over with quickly. Uh, Ted, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I, I am going to be doing something here in about two hours on the fact checkers of Facebook and Twitter yes. and this cesspool. Uh, we found some some interesting things that really kind of came out of these uh, these Biden uh, documents. It was a connection to a couple things that it was a missing piece that we put together. Hmm. And uh, you, you, you might want to look at those, you know, so when you're talking to Facebook, you, you uh, have a little additional information on how crooked this thing is. I'll send it to I, I, you today. I, I look, look forward to seeing it, and, and thank, thank you for shining a light on it. Thank you. And, and, and thank you for being fearless, because you, uh, you, you speak the truth even when the whole world assails against you. Ted, I say the same thing back to you because you are fighting this and you are fighting this. I mean, we're in your district and we are, I think, the only big media outlet uh, in in your uh, in your district. And uh, and I know you're fighting it not just for us, but for every other person, even if we disagree with them, to make sure we have freedom of press and freedom of uh, of uh, speech. And you are up against the big dogs. Thank you very much. Well, we're, we're doing it together. Let me urge your listeners. The book is one vote away. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. It, it was the number one bestseller in the country on Amazon. And if you want to go behind the scenes, really understand what's going on at the Supreme Court and how your rights to free speech, religious liberty, the Second Amendment, what's going on from the inside, uh, the book uh, I think is really helpful. And, it, and it's a fun, easy read. It's not designed – you don't have to be a lawyer to enjoy it. It, it really explains what, what's happening and why it matters for you and, and your freedoms. It's called One Vote Away. I urge you to get it uh, because that is the position we are in right now. Ted Cruz, thank you so much. If you are ready for some really great news, keep listening. Built Bar is back, and it is unbelievable. If you've been listening to my show this year – I love Built Bars. Uh, it's an all-American story. This is a client I asked to be on the show because I didn't listen to my wife again. And she'd been telling me about it. But it has protein bar on it. And those always taste like a doormat. This is unbelievable. The mint brownie flavor? Oh, yes, baby. It is life-changing. The new bars taste better than ever. In addition to the 12 original flavors, Built Bar just added cookies and cream, carrot cake, caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, apple almond crisp. I mean, it's just, it's great. Built 
Built Bar. Delicious, nutritious, high-protein, low-calorie, high-fiber, low-carbs, 100% real chocolate, and 100% really good. Plus, they've reset the code for this new launch. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code BECK. Get $10 off your first order. Promo code BECK. BuiltBar.com. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Right now, I want to go to Stu, who's got the Senate 2020 board out. And we're looking now at solid votes, a total of Democrats, 47, Republicans, 46, and a toss up of seven, right? Those are with leaners and likely voters. Okay, so so explain that. Solid, you have 40 for the Democrats, 38 for Republicans. That means... Seats that aren't even up for election, plus obvious blowout races, right? Okay. Um, you know, Tom Cotton doesn't even running against a Democrat, right? And that so, brings you to 40. So 40 for the Democrats, 38 for Republicans. <sighs> then you have likely. So these are, like, for example, Cory Booker in New Jersey is not going to lose. Right. The, the polls aren't complete blowouts, so you kind of keep it in the likely category. That gives you uh, New Hampshire, Virginia, Minnesota for the uh, Democrats. It gets them to 44. On the Republican side, for likely Cocaine Mitch, as you just mentioned, uh, he's, he's likely a win. Again, Tennessee, Mississippi, Kansas, and Alabama. Um, now, Alabama's interesting in that that's a Democratic seat right now, so that's a pickup for Republicans. Um, that's uh, Doug Jones, uh, who is likely going to lose in a relatively big way. Uh, come election day. So that gets you uh, five more for Republicans. That gets it to 44 to 43. Each side has three leaner seats. These are closer seats, but enough to say there's a favorite. Uh, New Mexico for the Democrats. Colorado, that's uh, against uh, Cory Gardner, who, uh, of course, event, originally wanted to ban birth control. Yeah, did not come through with that promise. Colorado Such voters very upset. Lie. He didn't do that, by the way. Uh, Arizona as well. Arizona's McSally going up against Kelly. Uh, Kelly is a pretty you know, good candidate, raised lots of money mm. in Arizona. That likes to be, both of those are pickups for the Democrats. Uh, for, that gets them, by the way, to 47 seats if we count the leaners. The leaners for the Republican side, you have Alaska, you have uh, one of the two Georgia races and Texas. Uh, I do expect Cornyn to win in Texas. Um, Georgia has that runoff system. So there's two Georgia races. Uh, both for the Senate. Both for the Senate. We have the Georgia two in the lean Republican category. The reason for that is there's four candidates in there, basically, that are going to be in double digits. Um, it's one of those things where you, you have fifty percent. You have to get fifty percent to not have a runoff. So okay. there's no chance that someone's going to get fifty percent in Georgia in that particular race. Mm. That means that moves to a runoff election on January fifth. Could it be a runoff between two Democrats? It could, in theory, but it's not going to happen. Okay. Uh, there, it could. Theor- okay. It could. I will say there is a possibility that it's two Republicans. Uh, that run off against each other. Mm-hmm. It's definitely possible. I wouldn't say it's the most likely outcome, though. Okay. Um, now, the interesting thing about Georgia's is January 5th would be the runoff. So if no one gets to 50%, that election moves to January 5th, which will be the top two. And that will really decide what's happening in the country. That's a huge if one. The, the reason country why- is on fire either way. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's scenarios here that are really scary. But the reason why I have Georgia, too, in the lean Republican is that election is going to happen in, a, in an environment where... Trump is not on the ballot. It's not mm-hmm. a huge national you election. <laughs> you hope. Well, uh, who knows what's going on at that right. point. But again, it won't be a big presidential election. Turnout will be down. I expect Georgia to get 
to get that to the Republican side. So that leaves us with 47 for Democrats, 46 for Republicans. That's how close this is. Seven races in the toss-up category. Uh, let me give them to you. Georgia won. Hang on just a second. Let me just let me just let you know if you're listening. Your mood is not going to improve here. I think this is, <laughs> this is better news, I think, than the presidential race at yeah, this exact moment. Yeah. It's uh, just everything is razor's edge. It, it just is. depends if it's a clean race. You know, if it's not a setup, mm-hmm. if we're not finding ballots, you know, for weeks after, well, I just found this in the trunk of my car. Uh, and if people show up and and we're not voting, quite honestly, I think the choices between uh, the Constitution and evil. <laughs> so, well, you can look at this two ways, right? You can say, uh, "Well, this is too close. I'm depressed," or "It's too close. Gosh, I better get out there." Oh and do no, I, no, no, no! You the second get one's out. the better one. Yeah, right? no, yes, don't okay. get depressed. Right, get moving. So, the other Georgia race we have in the toss-up race. The reason for that being that this is one. It's close in the polls. Uh, Sunny Purdue is there, um, and someone could get to fifty percent here. Again, it's not necessarily hugely likely. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see both of those races go to that January 5th uh, runoff. Then you have uh, Michigan. Uh, John James is a great candidate. We've had him on before. Uh, He's behind, but it's relatively close. Uh, Maine's is the Susan Collins election uh, where she's behind. I think she loses because the momentum for the... Uh, The momentum from the left. She's one of those national candidates that they all hated. Yeah, well, she's one of those candidates that there's not a ton of passion behind her on the right. Mm -hmm. Her base doesn't like absolutely adore her, but she's always been able to bring over a lot of moderates. Those moderates and a lot of the, especially the Democrat votes she would normally get are pissed off at her because of her Kavanaugh vote. She voted for Kavanaugh. So there's been tons of money that has flown. uh, It'll be interesting to see if that Kavanaugh thing doesn't hold uh, any sway still. You know, at the time... When she was before we actually heard all the hearings, they were just livid Mm -hmm. with her after you heard things and it settled down. I think people most people are like, yeah, that was a sham. That was a sham. I think, you know, the Supreme Court coming up again is bringing attention back to that. Yes. People who were upset. Yes. And the other thing is when that happened, money flowed. So her opponent has tons, tons of, of cash. Yeah. Uh, Montana is an interesting race in that it's uh, Steve Daines, who is the Republican. Well, there's incumbent. a possibility that we are losing cowboys <laughs> in Montana. What the hell is wrong with you? Well, they were able to get the governor, Steve <sighs> Bullock, to run as the as his opposition. So you're taking the Democratic governor and he's running as it for a Democratic Senate candidate against the incumbent Republican Senate candidate. I mean, I think. The Republicans going to win there, mm-hmm. but it's it's close. It's yeah. really close, and Bullock has a lot of name recognition as obviously the governor. Iowa is an interesting one. Joni Ernst, who I think was kind of seen as a Republican rising star for a while, yeah. Uh, Iowa was won pretty easily by Donald Trump. Seemed to be trending red. It's bounced back into that purple category for the presidential uh, race as well as for the Senate race, which is very close. She seems to be a <sighs> tad behind right now. I kind of feel like in the end she's going to pull this off, but it, a lot of this depends of if Donald Trump has coattails, and I think he will mm-hmm. this time around. I think he will have coattails. That if you're going to vote uh, for Donald Trump, you know how important it is to get the Senate uh, and the uh, the House as well. But I'm not going to win the House. There's a lot less of the vote splitting 
going on yeah. now. People are really tribal. They're in their they're they're kind of in their their parties. They're if you like Trump, you're voting for the Republican. It's it's a lot more aligned than it used to be. Yeah, but it's also uh, if I hate Lindsey Graham, I'm probably still going to vote for Lindsey Graham. I can't believe that if I lived in South Carolina, I'd be voting for Lindsey Graham. I, I that guy has <laughs> been a, a waste of space for a long time. He's brought it around but, the last couple with the Kavanaugh yeah. thing. He sort of was the star of the he Kavanaugh. He was the star. He, he did bring it around, but I, but I'm with you. I, I've never been a big Lindsey Graham guy, yeah, but, but I, in this, I would be campaigning for him in South Carolina if I lived in South. I would be setting up yard signs for him again. If everything goes right, there aren't things to worry about. But if let's say the presidential race goes wrong and Joe Biden somehow becomes president, this Senate is vital, and it's vital that you get to 51 votes. South Carolina is on the board as well as a toss-up, though I do expect Lindsey Graham to win there. North Carolina is a bizarre race with Tom Tillis, who's a guy, I don't know, like, he's one of those guys that even when you're doing Republican politics for a living, you kind of never really talked about him. You know, mm-hmm. he's like one of those, mm-hmm. he's like a Republican senator, but hasn't made that much of an impact, I don't think, nationally, um, where his opponent is Cal Cunningham, this this sort of recruit of like you know the democrats are doing this they're going after former military guys guys that look kind of moderate Mm -hmm. um he's raised lots of money also just had a a little bit of a sexting scandal uh and his popularity went up went up uh, what the hell is wrong with us (laughs) so if you look at the race the way we have it structured right now 47 to 46 democrats over republicans democrats you know depending on the presidential race republicans would need to win four or five votes uh, of the seven in the middle to win control of the Senate. Okay, South, is, let's say South Carolina. That's one, I think. Uh, I think Iowa could be two. Iowa could be two. I think Montana could be three. North, and I think Georgia could be four. Uh, so that could get you to four and get you to 50 pretty easily. After that, you start getting a little nervous. Susan Collins is behind. And if even if she wins, she's your if she's your 51st vote, it's a little scary. Uh, Michigan, I, I, you know, I really would like James to win, but I don't know that he's going to. North Carolina, it does not look great at the moment for Tillis, even after the sexting scandal. So you're at a point where you're looking at 50 votes, I think, is a real possibility. Um, however, let me give you this scenario, Glenn. You're going to like this because you love chaos. Hang on just a second. Oh, I do. <laughs> 50 votes, that means the vice president, whoever it is, is the tie-breaking vote. Right. So if we, you know, we only win 50 seats in the Senate and Democrats. we lose the White House— uh, it's 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 over. They Democratic have all three Senate, houses, and they can get rid of the filibuster and yeah. pass anything that they yeah, want. And yeah. they're ver- very much signaling they will. Uh, so let me give you this scenario. Um, so Democrats have forty-seven. They pick up a uh, you know a couple a couple of these seven. Uh, they get to forty-nine. Republicans have forty-six. They pick up three of the seven. That gets you to 40, uh, 49. Um, so let's say we're now at forty-nine, forty-nine, with both Georgia seats on a January 5th runoff. It's not impossible at all. In fact, you could look at it and say it's likely. That will become, especially if we're talking about control of this. You're talking about control of the Senate there. because You're talking about the life or death of the Republic. Yeah. I, I mean, especially if, if Trump were to lose. Don't, don't. Then you have a 49-49 scenario with a January 5th election in Georgia for two Senate seats See, possible. I, I have to tell you, I'm, I, I'm against, I just want to say this out loud, I'm against Donald Trump and all of the Republicans because I don't, I never learn every time I'm for a presidential candidate, they lose. <laughs> they lose. That's true. Every that time true. I'm for a candidate in the Senate, they lose. Mm-hmm. 
I'm against all of these people. <laughs> Donald Trump is dead to me. I think I've jinxed it. I think I've jinxed I it. I blame you for most of America's oh. problems. Let's give you another one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. From Facebook to the Atlantic Council and back. Yesterday, I told you about a woman, Anna McCanju. Uh, she is currently in charge of Facebook's election integrity program. So she's the one who's raising the alarm. You got to shut all these conspiracy theories down. Well, she, we know that she used to work for the Obama administration. In fact, she was the special policy advisor for Europe and Eurasia to Vice President Joe Biden. So she was side by side with Joe Biden with the Ukraine deals. She was there. Got it? She also, and I said this yesterday, and I couldn't remember what, she was a non-resident senior fellow at the Atlantic Council. It's a bipartisan think tank in Washington, D.C., well, the Atlantic Council rung a bell with me, and after I got off the show, I remembered it was because it was with Alexandria Chalupa. Chalupa was the woman who was the was the go-to get the dirt on Donald Trump and tie it into the Russians. It was really her idea, et cetera, et cetera. Also, her sister founded Digital Maiden. Now, this is this is a uh, Digital Maiden organizes tweet storms to flood Twitter with anti-presidential messages that's what they did in ukraine i'm wondering if digital maiden or the or the uh, uh, chalupa family are involved at all uh with something like digital maiden or maidan um here in the united states she did do tweet storms in the 2016 election um and they were pretty vile uh also her other sister is involved she's the editor of the atlantic council that bipartisan think tank where she was lead contributor for bi-weekly reports called ukraine alert now she's a senior fellow at the atlantic council and this is where i put it up on the board and we almost took it down because i'm like there's not really a, a, a connection that it goes anywhere but i felt like we really needed to keep it up on the chalkboard something wasn't right well, the name of the guy that she's in the same think tank with is Dmitry Alpovervich. He's the co-founder of and CTO of CrowdStrike, the security firm that the DNC hired to investigate the 2016 hacks. Okay, so, <clears throat> so he's on the Atlantic Council. Uh, Chalupa's on the Atlantic Council. They've got a tweet storm thing going on. They've got somebody trying to tie it all together uh, with and coordinate the embassies. And the person who is by Joe Biden's side is now at Facebook, making sure that there's integrity on our elections. One thing you should know, Atlantic Council think tank receives considerable funding through a Ukrainian oligarch named Viktor Pinchuk. He, coincidentally, also happens to be the most prolific donor to the Clinton Foundation until she no longer had power. And 2013, the Atlantic Council awarded Hillary Clinton its Distinguished International Leadership Award. But let me go back to Irina Chalupa. 
She now works for an organization called StopFake.org, which started out as a site to verify and refute disinformation and propaganda about events in Ukraine. Now they fact check, debunk, edit, translate, research and disseminate information in 11 languages. You can't make this stuff up. Guess which organization funds StopFake.org? The International Renaissance Foundation. Hmm, wait a minute. International Renaissance Foundation. Well, that's the same NGO that was being investigated by the Ukrainian prosecutor general that Joe Biden had fired. To refresh your memory, take a wild guess who heads the International Renaissance Foundation. Come on. Come on. Say it. Say it, Stu. Say it. Say his name. George Soros. <laughs> in, shocking. In February this year, StopFake.org joined the International Fact-Checking Network. Now, if the IFCN rings a bell, it's because I mentioned it on TV episode uh, earlier, or I think it was late last month. Facebook, for example, is very fond of saying they use fact-checkers that are certified by the IFCN. Well, the IFCN, along with PolitiFact, are both projects of the Pointer Institute. One of the Pointer's major funders is George Soros and his Open Society. PolitiFact's two largest financial supporter are E.W. Scripps Company and Facebook. The IFCN receives major funding also from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Google, Facebook, and again, you can't make this up, the U.S. State Department. Now, why is the U.S. State Department in with Facebook, Bill and Melinda Gates, Google, and fact check? This is such an incestuous puzzle. And when you put all the pieces together, you realize there is no way, no way they can let any of these Hunter Biden's uh, emails see the light of day. That's why. You can't trust the fact-checking network. You can't trust Google. You can't trust Facebook or Twitter. They're all in this stew. Why won't anybody talk about that? Let me go to uh, Jason Buttrill, who is our uh, chief researcher uh, and head writer on the uh, Glenn Beck program. Welcome, Jason. How are you? Good, Glenn. Thanks. Um, it, give me any updates that you have on the Hunter Biden and Joe Biden connections to corruption. I think I think one of the biggest updates right now is uh, the just incredible lack of reporting. Uh, either they're either not reporting on it uh, with the media, um, just radio silence, not speaking at all, uh, or they're just taking their cues directly, not from the source, which would be the laptop, mm-hmm. but they're taking their cues from Adam Schiff. Now they're running with this whole Russia, you know, it's all Russia stuff. Still, still, from Politico, uh, I think it was either today or or yesterday, um, they got about 50 former intelligence officials to say, hey, uh, we think this is Russian uh, propaganda. It's got all the earmarks. Now they they go down later in the article and in the letter and say, oh, this is not based off of anything we've seen. But just it just sounds like it. But they're just running with that. Rachel uh, Rachel Maddow uh, had another intelligence official on to say that he, uh, he alleged that uh, you know Rudy Giuliani was was fishing with the Russians for this information. Come on, like follow us through here for just a second. So Hunter Biden goes into this uh, repair shop. He signs a receipt. His lawyers uh, try to get this information back, uh, but it's the Russians. 
it's the Russians that are involved here? It, it makes absolutely no sense. It's, See, it's just utterly agonizing. What's, what's amazing is no one's reporting on Hunter Biden's lawyers. Can you yeah. elaborate on that a little bit? Well, so this is so this is coming from Rudy Giuliani, and apparently he has uh, he has proof that this did happen uh, in email form. By the way, Rudy um, Giuliani's my guest for an hour tomorrow night on television at nine o'clock. He he has the hard drive. He has all the documents, and I'm going to be asking him all of the questions, and I'm going to be holding his feet to the fire as well. Um, but uh, you decide for yourself, Rudy Giuliani, for the flower. Uh, tomorrow night at 9 p.m. on my Wednesday night special, only on Blaze TV. All right, but he so he claims that uh, they they did they did contact and reach out and try to get this uh, this laptop back. That's a key word back. Back, uh, meaning that the, it, Hunter is not denying the campaign. All of Team Biden is not denying that uh, this is legitimate, but they won't even answer it. They were caught out on Fox News uh, just a couple of days ago uh, talking to one of the Biden surrogates, and she could she actually said it was a good point. She actually said it was a good point that no one had denied that this was legitimate. Well, the, uh, I think this is this this goes to why uh, Facebook and Twitter are uh, and all of the media saying they're they're banning all of this because they're saying that this was hacked information. They're not saying this is fake information. They're saying this is hacked information on why they are banning uh, all talk about it is because it was hacked information. Well, that's different than what the, you know, Adam Schiff's of the world are now saying, which is, no, 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 this is just bogus information. This is coming from a, a Russian op. Absolutely ludicrous. It wasn't hacked. I mean, how is this any different from, you know, information that was received from Trump's tax returns? How is this any different than the mainstream media's landmark stories uh, like regarding the Pentagon Papers? This is exactly the same way. Uh, that the information w- w- was gathered. Actually, the Pentagon Papers was stolen mm-hmm. uh, by a contractor. This was left and just abandoned information. So they would be salivating over this if it benefited them. You know, Glenn, the, the biggest question I get about this is, well, why should I care? Like, why should I care if Hunter Biden was doing this? We've been screaming from the mountaintops. People like us, people like the guests you just had, Peter Schweizer, saying, look, it's not okay for Hunter Biden to be tagging along with his dad while he's making foreign policy decisions and then benefiting at the same time. Now, the real question is, how did the family, and this is key, and this is what everyone should really look for as more things come out, but how did the family how did the family benefit? Were they enriched? We're already seeing uh, evidence come out. There was a there was a document that came out in the in the laptop from a group called a uh, company that Hunter uh, helped set up um, called uh, something West. Uh, I can't remember the, Hudson West. That was the name of it. Um, and there was a flowchart in there that showed how there was two p- principals that owned this company, and fifty percent of the profits between the two of them would go into this pot. Well, we also have another release from, I think, uh, this came from the Senate, where this company was set up and credit cards were taken out. Lines of credit were taken out by his uncle James and his his aunt. That would be Joe Biden's brother and Joe Biden's sister-in-law. They made over $100,000 worth of purchases off of this company. Now, not surprisingly, not too long after, Hudson West was dissolved. We call that a shell company. That's what we call that. Mm-hmm. I want to know how much information is going to come out involving um, wire transfers, money laundering that goes into some of these shell companies. That's how corrupt politicians hide the fact that they enrich themselves while they're in office. The other- I, I tell you what. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
I tell you, I guarantee you every single politician, and this is probably a good case for all we need term limits, but I guarantee you every politician that's involved in this game is pissed. They are so pissed at the Bidens for being so blatant because I guarantee you tons of them do this all the time. It's got to stop, and maybe this is the catalyst to get it to happen. And it's it's not in this case. It is not just uh, that uh, money was being made. They were They're operating with the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and they are on the take from the Chinese Communist Party. And now you can say whatever you want about the laptop. But now Peter Swizer has 26,000 emails from the actual Gmail server uh, from a guy who was the partner of Hunter Biden. Uh, and it shows the money funnels. It shows the things that we all suspected but didn't have proof of. And it shows that. Joe Biden was enriching himself by having uh, a shell company just hold that money for him. Uh, it is it's astounding what has been found and how the media is ignoring all of it. Jason, thank you for staying on top of this story so we can all uh, stay on top of it. I appreciate it. Keep your eyes and ears open. We'll talk to you probably again tomorrow. Thank you. Na, 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 na.